0: All right. Hello, everybody. Welcome to the broadcast. Great to be with you. Uh, I'm super happy with how the studio looks. We got some new lights in uh, this week, and now we've got the the proper lighting, and the background is fantastic. Uh, Just excited uh, to be back doing the broadcast live for you. We want to start out with a little bit of of tragic news, but, uh, you know, we've been losing a lot of great Christian leaders lately, and the latest is this week, Timothy Keller, the renowned evangelical pastor, uh, dies at... 72, And uh, a lot of people know him from his books. And uh, I've read some of his books as well. Uh, just a great contributor to the Christian faith. And uh, he goes on to his reward. Uh, if you want to get in touch with me, best way is jim at christianmoney.com. I do answer the Facebook messenger messages too. The problem is I get so many of them and I can't really tell when they come in. I don't always, you know, I don't always have Facebook open I'm not always looking for that. So sometimes I get a little bit behind on those. Um, If you have something urgent, uh, you know, related to a a real estate deal or mortgage that you're interested in in getting in touch on the email that goes directly to my phone is jameslparis at gmail.com. And if you want to follow what I'm doing, I have right now all of my slots for friends are full on Facebook. So on the personal page, James L. Paris on Facebook, that is full. I've got the max of the 5,000. But you can follow me over at Christian Money uh, on Facebook. And that page has unlimited numbers of followers. And almost everything I post on the personal page, I will share over there onto the Christian Money page. And I had a really cool day yesterday. Some friends of mine invited me out to a dog park. It's like a, a bar slash restaurant slash dog park and I'd never been to any place like this before. You know, I years ago I took my dogs to a dog park. They got into fights with other dogs. And that was kind of the end of it. So my friends brought their dog and their dog is, you know, super cool with other dogs and just loves running around. And I saw no dogs fighting or anything. We just had a great time and they they even had this like bubble machine that the dogs were running around in. If you wanna see this video, it is really fun. Uh, You can check that video out on either of my Facebook pages. Uh, You can go to my personal page, James L. Paris, or you can go to the Christian Money page and check out my visit uh, to this dog restaurant uh, uh, park. It was a really, really cool place. All right, Uh, there is a road trip coming, and what I'm gonna do is I'm gonna rent a car, and I think I'm gonna take like two weeks And I'm just going to drive around the country. And there's a lot of places that are on my list of things that I want to do. And it'll be kind of a surprise, like where in the world is Jim Paris next? But a couple of things I am going to go ahead and like put on my schedule. So for those of you living in the Dallas area, I'm going to do like a meetup where we can all, you know, get together. I'm not going to. Charge anything. It's just going to be like, hey, you want to come out and uh, hang out for maybe a couple hours uh, and talk about money and investing and real estate and all of that kind of thing. Um, I'm going to do the same thing probably in Chicago as well. Um, So that'll be another opportunity to get together. And then just along the way, I've got people I want to see and places I want to visit. And it's going to be a great driving kind of road trip, like Jim Paris goes on the road. And then a couple of times during that, Uh, This show will come uh, live from different locations, (laughs) from cheap hotel rooms, most likely, uh, knowing the cheapskate that I am. But it's going to be a lot of fun. Uh, and it's going to take me like through Texas and Illinois and through the East Coast and just some different stops. And uh, some people that are good friends don't even know yet that I'm coming to visit you. And <laughs> I'm uh, getting my uh, itinerary together. And I'll let you know what I'll be knocking at your door. Uh, OK, so I told you about this um, artificial intelligence deal, how this is going to probably be replacing search engines. It kind of already is. But one of the things that we already know is that these AIs are not just fact-based. Who who can agree on facts anymore? It used to be that we had facts, and now we don't have facts anymore. So we've got like a dispute over what the truth is. You know, that phrase, everybody has their own truth. That's kind of what is happening with these artificial intelligence uh, systems. Because what's happening now is we're, we're seeing really the emergence of left-leaning liberal AI, and then we're seeing the emergence of the more right-leaning AI, just like we're seeing with like the news channels. You've got Fox News, CNN, you know, you've got both sides of it. And that seems to be what's happening with artificial intelligence. So that is when you go to the search engines and you ask a question, depending on whether you're talking to a Uh, a liberal (laughs) or a conservative AI, you're going to maybe get slightly or maybe even vastly different answers. Um, So that is coming. And that's something, uh, you know, that's going to, it's going to influence a lot of people. It's just, it's amazing to me, this idea that people say, like everybody has their own truth and we can't even agree anymore on sort of just basic middle of the road facts. Um, But that is um, what's coming. The, you know, AI, Uh, Left-leaning, AI, right-leaning. So look for that. So the debt uh, limit crisis is looming and it could come to a head this week. And we've got all kinds of you know dire predictions if the Democrats and the Republicans don't get together and raise the debt limit, kind of like all heck is going to break loose. And they're talking about what this could do to interest rates on mortgages, what it could do to the bond market. Um, And it's kind of a game of chicken. And so the latest is um, uh, there are some legal scholars saying that the 14th Amendment uh, has some provision in it that would allow the president on his own to go ahead and raise the debt limit. Now, this has never been done before, uh, but Biden is kind of floating that idea as a threat. uh, And uh, it seems like it's going to come up kind of to the last minute, a game of chicken here. But what's startling is that our national debt is right about 32 trillion. And it just seems like there's no end in sight. I remember when we hit uh, 10 trillion and it was like the end of the world and people were predicting you know the, uh, the US economy melting down. And what is happening as we get more and more debt, the only way the government can pay this is by monetizing the debt that is creating putting more currency uh, into circulation and it's inflationary you know that's why when you go to the grocery store and you go to buy like a small package of ground beef, it's ten dollars eleven dollars that's why when you go to buy gas, it's three and a half four dollars a gallon um it, it is hurting people uh directly, you know especially the the middle class. Uh, The lower middle class in, uh, in particular are getting hit by this because they don't get a lot of those great tax breaks that the lower class get. So this is like a middle class crisis. It doesn't really bother the rich too much. Uh, But the middle class and slightly lower than middle class are the ones that are getting hammered by this inflation. Um, As we get to the end of the broadcast um, tonight, I'm going to go ahead and talk a little bit about uh, inflation and cryptocurrency and why Ripple XRP looks great. We'll get to that in a a few minutes. But um, it, it is one of the biggest problems. I mean, obviously, the U.S., is never gonna really default on its debt because they'll just print more money, which is really what they're already doing. And the more money in circulation, the less each dollar becomes worth. Uh, And that is the hidden tax. That is the hidden tax when you go to the gas station and your dollar only goes half as far as it did three or four years ago. And uh, this is just gonna continue. Um, The inflation is, I think, here to stay, and I think is going to continue to get worse. Uh, I thought the story was great. I love this. Um, You know, when it comes to self-defense, I think most people agree that it's not a a law that gives us the right to self-defense, but it is just simply, uh, you know, a a God-given right, the right to defend yourself. But also, I believe in the right to defend others, too. I think that is just as strong as the right of self-defense. I think it's even a more selfless act, obviously, to defend another person um, that is at risk. Because so many times you hear the story of someone being raped and there's 20 people standing around watching it. And I gotta think to myself, you know, what man for example, uh, you know, not to pick on tough women because there are some tough women. Uh, one of my martial arts instructors, one of the toughest people that I know, and uh, she uh, would never stand around and watch uh, a woman being raped or assaulted. But you see this so many times, these stories where people will stand around uh, in a group, 20, 30, 40 people, and watch someone being assaulted. And uh, this happened uh, a couple of days ago. Over, uh, It happened in Chicago on the Blue Line. And the Chicago, it says, Chicago subway passengers, uh, passengers subdue violent, threatening, apparently deranged, half-naked man uh, with chokehold. But get this, as the security guards uh, stood by and did nothing. And the reason you're seeing this happening is even paid security guards not stepping in is because of liability. Uh, so many times you stop a bad guy and then you've got a residual problem. You've got a lawsuit or you've got a claim that you used too much force or whatever. And people are afraid. That is one of the reasons uh, that people don't get involved in these kind of situations is they're afraid of liability. Uh, but, you know, if it's me and I'm standing there, I don't care if anybody else is getting involved. If I see someone being assaulted and and that person is just an innocent victim I'm not going to step into a fight where there's two people that are you, you know legitimately you know equally at fault fighting. I'm not going to get into the middle of that. Uh, but if I do see someone uh, being assaulted, you know, that is clearly a, a victim of a crime, I'm not just going to stand there. I, I'm just not going to do it. And I love to see people stepping up. Um, you know, sometimes you have people from the left that will say vigilante, uh, you shouldn't get involved. You should call 911. Yeah, call 911, but don't just stand there and watch someone uh, be victimized. And uh, people on the subway on the blue line in Chicago stepped up, gotta love it. Uh, All right, many of you know that I owned a mortgage uh, company, a mortgage firm in Daytona Beach, uh, from about, I think it was about 2002 to 2009 uh, were the dates. And you know, that was still back in the day when everything was like physical paperwork that you had to sign and it was sort of, you know, the old way, everything was kind of slow. It took 30, 40 days for a mortgage to close. Well, since I've been back in the mortgage business now for just about a year, it's really blowing my mind how fast things are going. I just had a client that was able to go from contract to clear to close in nine days. In nine days, it's it's amazing because we have e-signature, we have automated underwriting, we have all these online tools that make it uh, so quick. Uh, I mean, it's it's almost getting down to like where you could close a loan in a week uh, from the time that you sign up for it. So it used to always be 30 days, 40 days. And of course, that's still going to be the case where you have someone living in a home and they need to vacate. They need that time to move out and to make their arrangements. So, so you can't go any faster when you have a house that's occupied somebody that needs that 30 day window to move out. But if you're looking at, you know, if you're buying a house that's sitting empty, then yeah, I mean, why not try and close it in 10 days or two weeks, that is possible. And mortgages are getting faster. Again, you can get in touch with me. If that's something that uh, if you're interested in a mortgage, I'm licensed in a number of states, if I'm not licensed in your state, you can always get in touch with me. And I can make a referral to you to someone that is licensed in your area. Uh, I continue to ask this question, why can't the left and the right get together to at least agree on some basic societal protections? And this story came in this week. Governor Jay Inslee of Washington State on Wednesday vetoed parts of a bill that would have required uh, communities to receive advance notice If a sexually violent predator is relocated into their neighborhoods. So the governor of Washington state vetoed this bill that would notify neighborhoods. And in one example, they gave in this article uh, one of the uh, areas that someone was going to be relocated to was right next to a school bus stop but yet the governor blocked this legislation that would notify people in these neighborhoods that these individuals would be moving in. And these are not just run-of-the-mill sexual predators. These are level three sexual predators. These are rapists. These are people that have committed sexual assault against children. These are the worst of the worst, and yet the governor of Washington state has blocked legislation that would notify people in those neighborhoods when individuals are being relocated to those areas. I, I always tell people, you know, go online and check the sexual predator registry for your area. In most states, this is public record. I don't know what other resources are available in Washington state. Uh, and I'm all for people getting second chances. I'm all for uh, people that have felony convictions to have the opportunity to be rehabilitated, to regain their civil rights, to be able to get you know a regular job, to get you know licenses to do professional type of, of work if they've proven themselves over a number of years. But there's one exception to that. And I gotta say, it's these violent sexual predators. I, I just think with the recidivism rate and the risk at which we put women and children in particular with these kind of people, we've got to keep these registries. And we have to keep these people um, you know, in areas where they're not going to put other people at risk to the extent that we can. And notification is a big part of that risk reduction that people know when someone dangerous has moved into their neighborhood. All right, I posted this on Facebook this week. Uh, Kind of an interesting question that people always get fired up about this. Has tipping gotten out of control? And I just read an article a couple of days ago about someone being asked to add a tip to a charitable donation. (laughs) I mean, and it's crazy anymore, right? So like even where you're like doing like an automated order um, in a kiosk uh, at at a fast food place, uh, everybody is now asking for a tip and I kind of have like two sides to this, two sides to the argument, two thoughts on it. So on the one hand, I grew up working in restaurants in Chicago and most of my money was tip money. It was, um, even as a bus boy, um, getting tipped out by the waitresses and the, and the servers at the end of the night, that was more money than I got in my hourly. So I get it. You know, that tip income is super important to people, but now because I mean, everywhere, like even fast food places are now asking you to tip. The question is, you know, how much of this is that business owners are not paying people enough so that the tipping um, is is something, it's almost like I'm paying for their employees because they're not paying their employees. And a lot of people think that it would just be better to raise the prices to whatever they need to be and then kind of get rid of this, uh, this tipping, uh, I mean, maybe you still keep it in like the full service type places, but not in the kind of fast food places, the self service types of places. Uh, in particular, the one area that is very controversial is like the to go the to go order. Like if you do a to go order at Olive Garden or something like that, you know, Outback Steakhouse, and then they're expecting like the twenty percent tip, even though you're just pulling up in your car. You're grabbing the to go bag. And I know, I mean, people that work at these places tell me, Jim, you don't get it. You don't know how much work it is to bag that food up and put all the little, you know, extra condiments and everything that you ask for in that. And that person should get a tip. I'm with you on that, but why isn't that person just getting paid more per hour so that if I'm not getting table service, you know, what am I tipping for? Am I tipping just for the food being bagged up and given to me, and if that's the case, why don't, why aren't they asking for a tip at Walmart? Because they're like bagging my stuff up and ha- handing it to me. I get both sides of this, but it, it is uh, something that people have strong opinions on, and obviously people in the service industry are, are, are huge advocates of tipping, and I get that. I know why that is. But a lot of people are starting to say it's gone too far, And I saw this article where they're basically saying, um, you know, they're asking for a tip on top of a charitable donation. Kind of nuts. Okay. Harrison Ford, the actor is defending so-called de-aging in the new Indiana Jones movie. And so what's going on is they're creating some scenes like flashback scenes, which would be from the character in the movie's past and in order to make those look legit, they're making him look younger in the flashback scenes by using the computer software that does de aging. And it's kind of controversial because people are saying, hey, you know, what am I really seeing? Am I really seeing Harrison Ford or am I seeing like a computer automated version of Harrison Ford? Well, Harrison Ford is defending this and he's saying, look, um, if that's a flashback scene and they're making me look younger, then that's how I would have looked like if it were like a legit flashback scene. So I get that part of it, but it is an interesting question. And what they used to have to do in movies was they would like take an actor and they would dye their hair and put special makeup on them and try to use, you know, different camera angles to make them look younger. (laughs) Maybe put a wig on, you know, where they have longer hair, but it never was that convincing, right? You got some like 70 year old guy, they're trying to make him look like he's 30 and they just do it by putting like a long-haired wig and bell-bottom pants on them, that that doesn't work, right? Um, so this is what they're doing with computer AI. They're, they're using this software that makes people look younger. Um, and it's interesting. Um, I, I believe Bruce Willis was the first actor that licensed like the deep fake version of himself where they just like use pictures of him and create like a virtual Bruce Willis that could be in movies. And you just wonder at what point could you actually go see an entire movie that is not even real? I mean, we've already got like Transformers, right? Where the Transformers are appearing and that's all done with special effects. Um, how, How does that work like 10 years down the road, 20 years down the road? Do we have like all virtual actors and it's just like famous people that have licensed their image and then they can just be in unlimited movies without actually having to be in the movies. I don't know. I don't know where this ends, but it is it is interesting to see what they are able to do with de-aging. I mean, maybe there'll be some kind of a filter I can get so that on this show, I can forever look like I'm 30 years old. Uh, all right. Um, so there is a, this is, they're saying this is a new scam, but it's really not. There's a big warning out this week about a quote unquote new PayPal scam. It's not new at all. It's called phishing P-H-I-S-H, phishing. uh, But it's apparently working very well. People are getting this urgent message supposedly from PayPal. It's an email that tells you that your PayPal account has been suspended and it has some additional information there that makes it look like, man, this is probably a real thing. And so what happens is you log in using that link. When you click on the link, it takes you to an actual page that looks exactly like your PayPal login page but it's fake. And when they do that, they're able to steal your username and password. Um, Never click on a link like that. If you get a message like that and you think, hey, this could be legit, just open a browser window, navigate directly to paypal.com. Don't click on the link and get to PayPal. Just open a browser tab, go to paypal.com, log in like normal, and then see if there's a problem. And always make sure you've got that two-step authentication so that even if somebody did steal your username and password, they're not gonna be able to get in without that second step authentication like the SMS text to your phone. So it's call phishing, it's been around forever, and I've been warning people lately too about this new um, text phishing, which is kind of a similar scam, a warning type of thing, but it comes to your phone as a text, and then once you click on the text, it takes you to a a fake PayPal site or a fake uh, site that looks like your bank site and steals your username and password. All right, uh, Ripple XRP. Uh, As many of you know, I think it's three years, three and a half years, there's been this lawsuit between the Securities and Exchange Commission and Ripple. And we've been talking about Ripple XRP on this show since it was at three cents. And I'm gonna get a price for you right now. The last I looked at it, it was still under 50 cents. Okay, 46 cents, Um, but you know, Ripple has been as high as over $3 uh, per coin. This is a digital currency, and there are still a lot of places that you can buy uh, Ripple. I believe you can still get it at Uphold. Uphold is one of the big sites that still has Ripple, but what's about to happen apparently, we've been saying this for a year, but this really looks like it is the time that it's going to happen. Um, that we are going to see a settlement or some resolution that will be very positive for Ripple uh, between Ripple and the Securities and Exchange Commission. And once that happens, uh, you know, people are talking about a $20 price. I saw another prediction using uh, AI. They said, you know, uh, several years out that Ripple could be, uh, you know, actually $20 for a single Ripple. But man, even if you know, one ripple went. Uh, I'm sorry. It, it could be. Uh, uh, it could be up to uh, you know several thousands of dollars uh, for one ripple. But uh, twenty dollars for one ripple could be in the near future um, if this deal gets settled between the SEC uh, and Ripple. Um, you know, but could we see one ripple uh, worth thousands of dollars down the road? Ten thousand, twenty thousand dollars? Absolutely. I. 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 Of other than Bitcoin. Um, the two cryptocurrencies that I really love are Ripple XRP and then Monero and Monero because it has that special, you know, privacy type protection. Um, so Ripple, I think, is is a buy here at 47 cents. And uh, I think it's a great opportunity right now. Don't don't bet the family farm, uh, but uh, a little bit of money in Ripple. You know, just imagine if Ripple went from 50 cents uh, to 20 dollars. Uh, you know, a little bit of money would, would certainly explode. I mean, you're talking about a 40-fold increase. So $1,000 would be worth $40,000. How cool would that be? All right, we'll close it out with this. I'm still telling people about the Christian medical sharing program. I'm 58 years old. Honestly, I haven't been able to uh, wrap my brain around the cost of traditional medical insurance, which could be like as much as $1,000 a month for somebody my age. Um, But I still am able to get Christian medical sharing for just $168 a month. And it's a great alternative to traditional uh, health insurance. And I do have a high deductible. I think my deductible is $12,000. But it's to me, it's worth it to take that risk of the first few thousand dollars to get this low... Uh, monthly cost but one of my favorite things about christian care ministry is that um it has this free telehealth benefit so about a week and a half ago i just started getting like a little bit of a sore throat um it got worse i started feeling like maybe i had a little bit of a fever so i was able to log into my christian care ministry account i was able to get online and ask for a telehealth appointment and within, I think it was eight minutes, seven minutes, I got on the phone with the doctor. Uh, they sent a prescription uh, up to my pharmacy, and I was able to pick it up later that day. Total cost of the doctor's visit, zero. And while I had them on the line, they were able to also help me out with an update on my blood pressure medication. So it's a really cool option, uh, Christian Care Ministry. Uh, I really love it. Uh, and if you'd like to uh, you know, ask me some questions about it, you can email me. I think I've been a member now for about 13 or 14 years. I calculated it the other day. I think I've saved maybe $35,000 so far using Christian medical sharing in place of traditional health insurance. Hey, thanks so much for joining us. Uh, Great to be back doing the show on a regular basis. If you have a question you'd like me to answer on the show or you'd like to reach out, you can send me an email to jim at christianmoney.com. If it's Sunday night, it's Jim Paris Live. Thanks so much for being with us. So long, everybody.